0: We are uh, back for another episode of Demand Excellence Podcast, and today uh, it's a great day. We have Coach Anthony Jones. He is the running back coach at the University of Memphis, and what makes it so special to talk to him is he also, as recently, I think, Coach, it's it's 2017, he's been a high school football coach. So, Coach, what I always like to ask um, the guys to do or you to do is just kind of talk about your road as a football player and then as a coach. I know you played college at UT Chattanooga. Um just kind of walk us through that so we can get to know you a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Well first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um I I started playing football as an eighth grader. I was really, really skinny. I might better than ninety pounds as an eighth grader. Got out there and played and went on and had a good, you know, junior high career and and high school ball to play here in the hometown of Memphis at a school called Westwood High School and was able to go on to UT Chattanooga. And that's when my football playing days ended. After that, I worked at Enterprise for about six months renting cars and realized that I didn't want to do that anymore. and I wanted to coach and give back to the young men and try to help somebody that was very similar to my background and my situation growing up. And I was able to get hired on at my high school, Westwood High School, as the wide receivers coach. So I was the wide receivers coach for one year, uh, and I was elevated to the offensive coordinator my second and third year. In year four, I was uh, the head coach. So at 24 years old, I was the head coach of my alma mater. didn't have a clue about anything about being a head coach, but was very appreciative about that opportunity. I spent two years at Westwood as a head coach. And I moved on to Cordova High School, where I spent five seasons uh, from 2013 to the 2017 year, and then I went on to become the running best coach here at the University of Memphis.
0: So um, let's start right there when you were 24 years old, and 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 you take over as a head coach. Uh, I you know I completely understand. I took over as a head coach when I was 27, and you think you know stuff until and and then you realize oh, I don't know anything. Talk about some things. <laughs> talk about some things you had to learn in those first. You got thrown into the fire. What are some things that you had no clue that you had to learn uh, in your first few years?
1: Well, being in the inner city, you have a lot of challenges. You coach guys who have low-income families. You coach guys who may or may not have eaten that day. So, I guess the first thing that I had to learn was how to relate to these young men who probably hadn't had lunch or or anything to eat in 12, 13, 14 hours. And they had problems. The kids are really sheltered, and you have to first get those guys to open up to you. Uh, So I guess the interpersonal skills between the guys were one of the first lessons that I've learned as a head coach. Not so much the X's and O's of it, but just how to treat people, how to work with other men, how to build a staff, how to create a budget, how to run a budget effectively. And, then you put the X's and O's on paper and you try to put guys in the right spot so they can be successful, so your team can be successful, and hopefully they can get a at the next level.
0: Yeah. So, you know, as, as you talk about trying to develop, develop relationships with people, that was the biggest struggle I had as a young coach. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying even now I'm great at it, but what a young coach doesn't understand is it's not just high school athletes you have to coach. It's the management of the adult coaches which sometimes can be a problem. Can you talk about that a little bit as you grew? Oh absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Being twenty four year old, being twenty four years old as a head coach, I was the youngest guy on my staff. Yes, and right. so everybody obviously that I hired was a lot older than I was and have been coaching some of them been coaching long as, as long as I've been alive. So to get those guys to believe in your vision, uh you have to sell it. You have to you have to be a great marketer. You have to make sure that they understand their role. You have to make sure that they understand that you're the head coach. But the biggest thing that I had to learn was you have to get everybody on board to check their egos at the door. Uh, football is a very competitive game on the field as well as off the field. Every coach thinks that he's the guru of football. Every offensive coordinator that I met believes that he's going to score a touchdown on every drive and Every defensive coordinator, every defensive coordinator that, that I've ever met, believes he can stop everybody. So, once we got the egos in check and, and people knew what their roles were, and I thought we had a great staff, and things things came together really well.
0: So, you were able to work at an inner city school. I know you went from Westwood High School and to and into Cordova, and it's it's a mm-hmm. big struggle. Did I say that right? Cordova. Yes, sir. It's a big struggle for high school football coaches working at inner city schools. And it's not that those schools don't have talent because they do talk a little bit about getting the administration on board, getting the things that you needed to be successful at an inner city school that has nothing to do with X's and O's, just getting the the administration on board and the community behind you.
1: Right. Just as you have to sell your vision with your staff, you you also have to walk into that administration office and sell your vision as well to those guys. And being 24 years old at the time, uh, I was able to try to do that. Luckily for me, my principal at the time was a former high school head football coach himself.
2: So that actually worked out in He
1: understood the, the things that I was trying to do. He understood the struggles of inner city, uh, but yet, and still, he had his own own job to do as well, as the principal of the school. So just getting guys to buy in. I've I've spoke at churches and pep rallies and different various uh, neighborhood functions to to try to get the whole neighborhood on board with what we were trying to do, and just try to have. Uh, open access as much as I could to our school and to our football program to anybody that wants to be involved in it.
0: I think that's interesting what you said like you're you're speaking at churches and you're and you're trying to sell the vision to to everyone, and I think that's what a lot of coaches don't understand head coaches is you you have to every single day sell your vision, not only to your own players, not only to your own coaches, but to the community, like get the churches involved, get them behind you. Anybody that's positive, get them behind you as you try to build something great.
1: Absolutely. All these young men, football is such a powerful game. We have, God has has given us a impact through this sport to bring people of various backgrounds, education levels, economic status together and that's one of the great things about being a high school head coach is that you have the influence to 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 absolutely do that you can bring different churches church groups and youth groups and you can go to the housing complexes and you can invite those guys and and young men and women over to games and it can be one big party watching a football game and you look at football now in the, in the tailgating sense of the SEC and the ACC and the big schools and the colleges across the country, tailgating is huge. And when you think about tailgating in that respect and you look at it on high school level, that is basically what we're trying to do. The tailgate is coming together in fellowship with, with one another, uh, for the, for the good of the young man that's playing, but it's also good to have the community, um, togetherness or whatnot so you can you can be on the same page with each other
0: yeah um you know i was talking to another high or a high school coach last week and he was he was saying don't be afraid to make your program bigger than what people can handle it's kind of what it seems to me that's what you're saying is you know look at what they're doing in the sec look at how much fun they're having at football games why can't our community have this same thing and be proud of the football program within the community.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And being at Westwood High School, Westwood at the time was a two-way school. So we, most two-way schools in in the city of Memphis averaged anywhere between 25 and 35, 40 guys. Uh, Well, fortunately for me, I think I had 75, 80 guys on my first year. And the reason being is I wanted to change the outlook of our football program because I know if I can change the outlook of our football program, I can change the way the community thinks about our program. I can change the mindset. I can change people's thoughts about what was in the past until what the vision should be now. So you're absolutely right about that. Just bringing people together uh, was one of the greatest joys of, of, of being a high school head football coach.
0: How So how did you – what are some things that you did to get that many players out at a, at a double-A school because – Obviously, not every school has that many players in a double A school. How did you get those players to come play football?
1: Well, that was that was tough and challenging. Now, even though I said we had about seventy-five or eighty players, those seventy-five and eighty guys weren't great athletes, you know, but they were young men who were willing to play football and just to give it a try. So the first thing that I did was I had to recruit the hallways. So I worked cafeteria duty. Uh, I, I tried to speak and introduce myself to every young man I possibly could who had an interest in playing football and if that kid smiled or had bright eyes I knew I had a shot at him. And then I asked for the parents number and I called the parents and said hey how about your son playing football where well, a coach my baby really never played sports. That's great let me help him out. And We wanted to use football as an avenue to help out the total young man so we use football to help out him not only athletically, but academically as well. And we had various tutoring programs and we took them to church sometimes. And we did different activities with them off the field. And by then those guys really just enjoyed playing the game. But, but more importantly, they enjoyed being around each other. Right. So it was, it was fun. And and obviously nobody wants to practice long in the sun. Nobody wants to go through some practices or winter workouts, but we had a way to make it fun for the guys. We, we, blasted the music and practice and and different competitions and we got every everybody practice with us so it was it was a unique experience for us but it was it was a a great time
0: so so you move you know at at Cordova High School what I Mm -hmm. I mean obviously you had learned a whole lot um and, and you had success there what are some things that you did there to to take them to another level that you think would be beneficial for a, a high school coach listening right now?
1: Uh, just the same process. Number one, you have to build a relationship. So Cordova was a 6A program uh, in the Memphis metro area. So we had three times the amount of students enrolled in Cordova than I did at Westwood, which was a great blessing for us. So the, one of the first things that I did was, was that I got the faculty involved. So every Friday, I got managers. I had 20, 25 different managers, which may seem like a lot for a high school level, but I I just believe managers help your program in so many ways. Because young ladies and young men who are not athletically gifted, who wants to be managers, wants to be a part of something. Every young person in our country wants to be a part of something. The thing that we have to do is to convince them to to, to be a part of something positive. So I got the managers involved, which got the entire student body behind them. But most importantly, I got the teachers involved as well. So little small things such as passing out old game jerseys on game day. And so the players can see the teachers wearing a game jersey gets the guys excited. And now the teachers wearing the jerseys get the faculty excited because now they feel a part of the success of our football program. So we get those parents and get those faculty families coming to the games. Now it's an even bigger event, you know. So everybody, and one of the things that we really preach is family. So that English teacher, that math teacher, that science teacher, that PE teacher sees his or her student on the field, that's encouraging for the young man to keep doing the right thing, both on and off the field. So getting the teachers and the faculty involved, because not only those guys, it's the janitors, the cafeteria ladies, uh, everybody was was a huge part of the success that we've had, both at Westwood and at Cordova.
0: That is uh, great information, Coach. I was sitting here taking notes and uh, thinking about how in the world uh, I could do something like that because, uh, man, that, that's probably the, some of the best stuff that I've heard. All right, so you have success at Cordova. And then talk us through um, – how you got the opportunity. You know, there's a lot of high school coaches out there that would love uh, to go and co- to college and coach. Talk us through that, how you got that opportunity, uh, how you made that happen.
1: I gave up on my dream. And uh, when anytime somebody asks me to take questions about my journey from high school to college, that's the, that's the same statement that I always say. I actually gave up on my dream. I always dreamed of being a collegiate coach. Uh, at the age of 25, after my first year as the head coach at West, we were actually interviewing for a wide receiver position at Delta State University, the so Division II school in Cleveland, Mississippi. I was excited. I interviewed. I thought the interview went well. Um, the head coach at the time, Coach Todd Cooley, who was still there now, actually offered me the job, but it was one problem. It was $20,000 with no benefits. Yeah. And I just got married. I had a child. I had a young daughter. Uh, And I stayed up three nights to three or four o'clock in the morning trying to make it work, and it did not work. Later on, in months, I had a chance to interview for Carson Newman, a Division II program up in Jefferson City, Tennessee, with the legendary coach, uh, late Ken Sparks. And he called me back and offered me the job, and it was twenty-five thousand, no benefits. Wow! And I couldn't take that one as well, so I was frustrated. I did one more year at westwood and the cordova job came open and i was on my second child my wife was in labor i actually left the hospital and walked up to cordova high school and asked to speak to the principal for interview and the funny story about that is i didn't get the job right away they gave it to the interim coach which was fine and i seen the interim coach at a coach's meeting and i congratulated him all right Because I congratulated him, three months later, he took a principal job at an elementary school, and he called me. He said, Coach Jones, I want to recommend you for the coaching job at Cordova. The exact same job that I was turned down for at first. I did three years at Cordova. Another college opportunity came about at Austin Peay. I actually accepted that job, but it was $40,000 with benefits, but I could not move my family up at the time, just financially. So I had to decline that offer, and the last season I had at Cordova High School, I was able to coach an All-Star game, we call the Tennessee East-West All-Star Game, and the game was ironically played at Austin Peay Stadium. I coached the game, uh, I, ended, I put in an application for another college, Mississippi Valley State, got a call from the AD at the school, Is they excited have an interview lined up. The AD called the next morning and said she had the wrong guy by mistake. So that door closed. So I was driving home from the All-Star game, and I gave up on it. We played a game on a Friday night. I actually gave up on my dreams. I said, God, don't worry about it. I'm good. I'm I'm done coaching college. I don't want to coach college ball anymore. I'm going to find something to do. That happened Friday night. Went to church Sunday. Went to work Monday. And Daryl Dickey, who was the running backs coach, offensive coordinator at the University of Memphis at the time, called me and said, "Hey, AJ, I am leaving, taking the college job at Texas A&M. I want to recommend you for the running back's job." By this time, my hopes were not up. I was not excited. I was excited for the opportunity, but I didn't get my hopes up too much. Right. The head coach Mike Norvell called me at 9:30 that same morning and said, "Hey." I, I want to interview
2: you
1: Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. So I interviewed Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. I went back to work at quarter over by 7.30, which was the time we had to check in, and nothing happened for the rest of the day. After that, uh, Thursday morning at 8.33, Coach Maville's phone number popped up on my phone, and he said, hey, how about you want to be the running back coach of the University of Memphis? Wow. And that's how my story went. And so I tell that story a lot. I know I got long-winded, but I, I, I tell that story a lot because I, I think it's what God has planned for our lives. So my plan was to go be a coach at Delta State, which was nothing wrong with that, and the Carson Newman and Austin P. And the whole time I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, God was saying, now that you have given up on what you want to do, let me do what I want to do for you.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: And here I am at the University of Memphis.
0: That is a uh, that is an awesome story, um, man, and a God story, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. So, talk us through a little bit. So, I, I assume you've had one full year there, right? One football season, or has it been two?
1: I'm sorry. What was that again? Ha-
0: you, were you have you been a full uh, a coach there for one whole football season or, or two? Yes, sir.
1: One whole football season. So. When I got hired, I actually got hired December 15th, uh, that's Thursday. And I was on a practice field December 16th, that Friday. We had a bowl game two weeks later. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just finished my first full season as the running best coach here at the University of Memphis.
0: So, what is, in your opinion, the biggest difference X and O-wise between the college game and the high school game?
1: Oh, my God. It, it
0: has to be the verbiage of it.
1: Uh, we can call so many plays so many different ways, and it can be the exact same play with a different presentation. The verbiage that we use in college is very extensive. Uh, obviously. Here at the University of Memphis, I I work, and I'm so very fortunate and blessed to work with our head coach, Coach Mike Novell, who is one of the brightest young offensive minds in all of football, not just college football. So I've learned a ton from him, and I've learned that there's so many ways that you can dissect a play, so many variations of a play that you can have, and there's so many ways to call it so that we can keep the defense off balance and you can give a different presentation week in and week out.
0: What about the preparation? So you're going into a game week. You know You know what you had to do in high school. What, what's the difference in preparation?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's a collection of minds. We've all, in, in the world of college, have different assignments that you have. So one guy may have third down assignments. Another guy may have screen. I haven't mean, blitz. And the unique thing about college is you have a collection of minds coming together from Sunday, Sunday afternoon after the, after we play on the previous Saturday so you go from Sunday and you start your initial game plan you 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 see what the opponent is doing you watch three or four games and you kind of get a feel for how that defensive coordinator is calling the game and then you kind to of break up and you're on your own for a while and you study what you have to study then you come together late Monday night and you you put your thoughts together with what the receiver coach has. The receiver coach put what his thoughts to what the online coach has, and you kind of merge everybody's thoughts, and then you formulate a game plan. Well, what do we like on first down? What do we like on third, third and medium? So it's it's a combination, and it, it puts it it puts the workload on on in, each individual coach. But that's a great thing because you don't want one coach having to carry the load. So you you it's, and it's fun to see that come together week in and week out of the preparation that we do.
0: What is it like, um, you know, like a high, high school football coach, you're, you're in the hallways recruiting kids, you're in the community, you, you know, you're doing a lot of work. You're not on the road traveling, recruiting to different schools, but you're doing a sure. whole lot of work to try to motivate everybody to play football, be behind football, and you, you talked about that. Talk about recruiting um, at the college level and the intensity of it and just kind of your perspective of it.
1: College recruiting has has changed over the years, uh, and fortunately for me, I've I've been on both sides of it. I've been on the side, the high school side, where I've had college recruiters come into my school and try to recruit my guys, and they've done a great job. So I had the chance to sit back and learn from 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 the from the college coaches on that aspect. Now I'm sitting in that seat, uh, and it still presents its own challenges. You know, you have to. what strikes a young man's interest. You have to meet the family. You have to go recruit. You have to be away from your own family sometimes. Uh, So it's it's different. College recruiting varies. It's not an exact science to it. Uh, Kids like different things. Some kids love the recruiting process. Some kids don't want to talk about the recruiting process. Uh, One kid may look for a great education in a school. Another kid may look for early playing time. And you have to take a lot of notes. You have to juggle it. You have to be, number one, I think you have to be honest in the entire recruiting process. I believe that's something that that I've learned from the staff here at the University of Memphis is that honesty is always the best way, you know, and and you don't never want to lead a young man on. You want to be honest with him and be honest with that family. And at the end of the day, you want to appreciate the job that you have. And our number one job is to help people in this world whether we recruit them to our university or we can give a recommendation that they can go somewhere else, we've still done our job and helped the young man out in his life journey.
0: One of the things that impressed me most about you, and I think I texted this to you, but first of all, you come in our school and, you know, you can always tell guys that are class acts. And I mean, there's different types of people, as you know, you were a high school coach and you saw the recruiters come in and, you know, i watched watch the recruiters come in too. And, I kind of learn from how they act how how I want to present myself. You know, somebody that doesn't know me, this is how I want to present myself. Well, you know, you're a class act, very sharp. And here's what I think is unique about you. And you know, I told you there's only two guys that um, hundred hundred twenty colleges probably came through our school in the spring, and and you and Tony Elliott, who is a very high class individual, offense coordinator at uh, Clemson. You got to sit down and write a thank you note and put it in the mail uh, to the high school football coach. And to me, that just is – it just represents class. I mean, did you, did you learn to do that from being a high school coach or is that just who you are? No, that's
1: uh, yes and no. I don't some, – some coaches did write letters. Uh, but I've always promised God that if I ever get opportunity to coach college, football, I wanted to have an impact and I wanted to be approachable because I always remember myself being a high school coach at Westwood High School and at Cordova High School and I spend 15 minutes a day writing letters uh, to high school coaches and I try to call at least three high school coaches a day just to talk because I remember back when I was a high school coach, I just wanted to talk to a college coach. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, and I just wanted to, to reach out to those guys and and real and let them know that go that keep following your dream. Don't do what I did. Don't give up on your dream. Just go keep following, whether it's coaching college or whether it's winning multiple state championships or whether it's maybe jumping from college to the NFL one day. Just go at it because I'm going to live in testimony. So that's why I always uh, write the letters. And, and high school coaches are so, so, so underappreciated. And I think that a letter just, just signifies how ingratitude I am for you taking the time to let me stop by your school. You have to teach classes. You have hallway dues. You have after school dues. You have cafeteria dues. You have to put grades in the grade book. You have to deal with discipline issues. And not in your contract, you have to take time to talk to a college coach about a child that's not your biologically owned child. And for a high school coach to do that, I think that means a lot. Uh, so that's why I, I've, I've always done, it, always will do it, um, and I just, I just think that's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, coach, I, I definitely think it's awesome, and, um, and of course, I appreciate that. And it's, and it really takes um, a man who has been a high school football coach to understand that perspective. I love how you remember what you thought and how you thought of high school coaches and the I mean college coaches and how they impacted you at 24 and 25 years old and and now you want you want to do the same. So last question for you. I know you're busy and I really appreciate you taking time out to talk. So what would you tell um, you know, you've already you've already told what would you tell a guy that wants to coach in college. Don't give up on your dream. What would you tell that 22, 23, 24-year-old guy that's coming into coaching, whether, you know, whether it be high school or college, what would you tell him? What's some advice that you would give him? Some of this coach you live by? Uh, number one,
1: I would do it for the right reason. You know, I would absolutely why. You have to ask yourself, what is your why? And so many coaches use that phrase that question. And a lot of their speech and their motivation games, talks and all of that. But is 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 very true. What is what is your why? Why are you coaching? Are you coaching to be the best coach in the area or are you coaching to help a young man change the outcome of his life? And I think once you establish that, I think that put things in, in focus. So my first advice would be to figure out your why. My second advice is to read scripture. Uh, and I live obviously the Bible is, is the arguably the greatest book that's ever been written but I, I live It's a couple of verses that I like and, and Jeremiah 29:11 is, is one of my favorite verses because it says God says for I know the plans that I have for you and that verse um, with, has been a, such a great blessing for me so the first advice is figure out what is your why The second advice is is to find you a scripture that fits who you are, what you're about, and rely on that scripture. Because that scripture will get you through many, many dark times, and many, many frustrating times. And the third advice is to fear not. And I like using those two words because even the Bible says you have nothing to fear about. A lot of people don't realize this, and I heard this in a sermon uh, from a preacher here in Memphis, that the Bible has the phrase, fear not. 365 times in it. And we know that it's 365 days in a year. Yeah, wow. And I think that's unique because God put for not 365 days times in the Bible because of it. He wants you to fear not. So that's a fear not for every day that you live. So you don't have to worry about messing up. Everybody makes mistakes. You don't have to worry about doing the wrong thing because we can be forgiven for that. But I think as long as you can impact people's lives, you can live in a fear not mindset
0: coach this is uh awesome stuff i really appreciate you talking with us um i always like to end with a prayer um so if you don't pray, pray for you yes sir let's pray lord we're coming for you today just want to praise and thank you for loving us lord and and first and foremost we praise and thank you for your son jesus christ dying on the cross for our sins lord i praise and thank you uh for coach jones and Lord, what he's doing and Lord, his perspective on coaching, Lord, it's not to make his name great, it's not to win game, it's to build men. And Lord, that's your mandate to us to impact people for your glory and your honor. And Lord, I just praise and thank you for his example. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless his steps. You know, right now he's at Memphis. Uh Lord, and I pray that you would just use him there to impact the lives of the players he coaches, Lord, and the other coaches and the fans. I pray that you would bless his family, and uh, Lord, and I just pray that you would um, walk with him each and every day. Lord, we love him and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Yes, sir.
2: Oh, Ash and stone This much I